2: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co director of charts at Billboard based in Los Angeles. Joining me on the other line in New York, returning to the podcast is OG Pop Shopper and Billboard music
1: editor Jason Lipshots. Hello, Jason. Woo! What's up, man?
2: How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm back on the pop shop. This is this is wild. Is it weird?
2: So it's very ago. strange. It feels so long like ago
1: you said you were gonna go away and then you came back. I know, and now I'm back, and uh, it's you know, it's like I never left. It's it's me and you, and you know, three thousand miles away, but talking to each other
2: just like old times exactly
1: um well jason's going to be here
2: with us for the next few months filling in for the absent katie atkinson who was on maternity leave and uh she has a fabulous beautiful baby now yeah shout out
1: to to katie first of all congrats to katie because she's she's a new mom which is awesome um and and second of all um just shout out to her because she's been an amazing co-host of uh pop shop podcast uh i've been i've still been listening of course and yeah you guys you guys do it you you guys do it every week and i love it every week so shout out to her well it's the show that you started jason so
2: thank you that's high praise no no thank you okay um well as always the billboard pop shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on billboards weekly charts in addition You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars
1: and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, Keith, we've got news about Taylor Swift's social media blackout, what it all means, and also going to talk about my experience at the Hot 100 Festival, which was this past weekend, and a preview of this Sunday's MTV video music awards. Hmm. Well, exciting,
2: exciting things to talk about. Yeah. Um, Plus, we've got chart news about how Kesha gets her second number one album on the Billboard 200 chart, how Despacito inches ever closer to the all-time record for the most weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and how Khalid's American Teen album reaches the top five of the Billboard 200 for the first time six months after its release. In addition to all that, we also have an interview with our pal, Darren Chris. Uh, we chatted with Darren on the phone recently to talk about Elsie Fest, his annual festival in New York that celebrates the music and stars of stage and screen. He'll be headlining the show along with Leah Michelle and Alan Cumming, and the event will take place in Central Park on October 8th. So stick around for our interview with Darren a little later in
1: the show. It's going to be awesome. Before before we get started, Keith, yeah, some quick housekeeping notes. Remember how I used to do housekeeping that? notes? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you never ever 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 miss an episode. Give us a rating or review while you're at it. It, it makes our hearts sing and and fills our eyes with tears of joy. If you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard. Visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Uh, you know what we forgot, Jason? What's that? Uh, like I'm the what to your what this week? Oh yeah! Oh man! Next week I'm the vanilla to your milly. Next week we'll ha- we'll have to we'll have to bring it out of the the mothballs uh, next week. It's, it's, it's all coming back to you now. All I know, these things really is muscle memory, didn't you? Um, but all right, all right, man. Well, we we got to get to it. It's it's time to get to the Pop Shop podcast. Let's hit. Three of the biggest headlines over on Billboard.com right now. Before we get to the charts, let's talk about some news. Okay, first of all, everybody, everybody in the office today and, and probably this week is talking about Taylor Swift, and and for good reason. And the eclipse. And the and the eclipse. It was it was kind of it, it was touch and go that like the eclipse was going to be time to a Taylor Swift release, but no, it was not. Uh, she's setting up something though. Late last week, she commenced a social media blackout that had fans wondering what the pop superstar was up to and then you know a few days later we're we're sitting here on on we're recording this on monday afternoon we are still wondering what the heck's going on even though we have at least a 10 second video clip of what appears to be a slithering snake tail i think it could be like a dragon tail because it looks too scaly to be a snake man it could be game of thrones it could be a, a shout out to game of thrones could be game of thrones preview yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. Maybe she was behind the, the leak,
2: you know, that stole the uh, Game of Thrones episodes from HBO. Oh,
1: wow. Probably not. Probably, probably not. not. Um, so she s- shared that on Monday without any comment. Uh, people thought there was a new single dropping right around the eclipse time. Uh, and it did not happen. Um, but by the time you're listening to this, maybe, maybe TS6 the new era has commenced we maybe not i don't, I don't know by the time
2: you hear this her album could have dropped for all we yeah, you know yeah
1: exactly and this will <laughs> sound very dated but but right now we we don't have anything else with taylor's team remaining mum all we can do is keep listening to 1989 over and over and over so so keith i mean one of the things we talked about when when i was on pop shop uh, many many moons ago was many not many eclipses ago, but many moons ago, was the fact that Taylor loves to release lead singles in August and albums in October. And guess what month it is, man? It's August. Like she's a year late, though. That and she used to do this every two years, I know, right? I and know. then she, I guess,
2: 1989 was just so big, she didn't want to do it last August, so yeah.
1: took the year so it's, off. It's 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 about time. Um, yeah and uh, so many questions at this point it would be strange here's here's how i feel at this point it would be strange to me if she did not release new music with all this with the social media blackout with this cryptic 10 second video teaser i mean if if this is not new music i'd be i'd be pretty i'd be definitely pretty surprised wouldn't you
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. There was someone who did something similar earlier this year where people got really excited because they teased something, and now I'm totally drawing a blank.
1: Yeah, so I I guess we'll see. I mean, fall time is is typically her time. She's released albums in 2010, 2012, 2014, all, like I said, in October, all selling a million albums uh, plus in their first weeks of release, Speak Now, Red, 1989. Um, And each one got bigger in their first week, too. What's your favorite Taylor Swift album, Keith? Oh
2: boy. You know, I'm going to just go ahead and say 1989 That's just fair. because I think I'm, I'm more of a f- fan of pop Taylor yep. um, than country Taylor. And I really didn't really come around to Taylor properly until um,
1: like uh, uh, the Max Martin stuff yeah. on the album before that. <laughs> That's fair. So hot 100 fest uh, happened this past weekend. uh 2017 hot 100 fest i was there uh the major highlight was major laser headlining the final night of the third annual pop music extravaganza and what's cool about this um and and i'll get to the details in a second but you know uh, there's a a ton of music festivals obviously across north america over the summer and and you know in the spring and fall extending into those just a few (laughs) but there's are there aren't that many that are that are just really pop music and this was as as a lover of pop music i mean you had major laser you had camilla uh you had t-pain and rick ross and dj Khaled playing all of his huge number ones and uh zed and you know it it was a real celebration of uh of mainstream music and and i enjoyed it man it it was really great thanks to everybody who who came out It, it was it was very cool uh seeing so many people on stage shout out billboard so many fans uh in attendance enjoying a a billboard event so so thanks guys that was very cool
2: it's so cool we have our own award show we've got our own music festival yeah how 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 awesome is that it's very we work for a
1: cool place we do we're very lucky anyway uh lastly my man vmas this weekend the 2017 mtv video music awards are taking place this weekend in your beloved los angeles indeed down the street in fact well not really yeah. <laughs> uh Miley Cyrus, Kendrick Lamar, Ed Sheeran all performing, Sean Mendez, Lord the Weekend, Thirty Seconds to Mars, and this year's host, Katie Perry, also performing. Video of the Year nominees include Kendrick Lamar's Humble, Bruno Mars's Twenty Four Carat Magic, Alessia Cara's Scarce You're Beautiful, TJ Khaled's Wild Thoughts, and the Weekend's Reminder. I mean, if you look at looking at these five videos, I, I feel uh-huh. like it's gotta be humble like yeah, that's gotta like, be the one to be hum- yeah there's no way anyone else is winning aside
2: from Kendrick
1: yeah we, we've we been talking uh, in, in the office over the past couple of weeks about how it was it was it definitely feels like a weaker year for big music videos if you think yeah. about if you think about last year with uh, Hotline Bling and Adele's Hello and Formation and, you know you had these these videos that you can immediately recall like to j- just kind of You know, either iconic or one step short of iconic, uh, at least very, very memorable. This this year, I I don't know. I mean, humble's up there, but I don't know. How how do you feel, man? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I feel like if
2: maybe like Logic's video, which just came out, like uh, like five or six days ago, would come out earlier, it would have been like like in, in contention i mean this, i don't think it's nominated for anything so there's one i mean it feels like we're i mean when i know when i saw that the nominations had come out and i looked i'm like mm, this is a pretty weak field yeah i mean like no offense but i'm like 24 karat magic really yeah like one of the five best videos
1: of the year i don't know have you seen the wild thoughts video it's just it's just Dj Khaled and Rihanna and Bryson Tiller just kind of dancing at a party, which is fine. Yeah. Look, that sounds like an awesome party, which but is yeah. fine. But
2: is that one of the five best videos of the year? I know that when I and uh, certainly Jason, but Jason's a little bit younger than I am. When I was a younger lad, <laughs> I I remember how the the nominations for the VMAs in their golden era, you know, which is basically like you know, sort of eighty nine to like 2000 you know was i mean it was a big deal like and and it was like there was like some seriously amazing videos that were in contention like yeah sometimes you get like a weird fluke thing that was just like just the sheer popularity of it like wielded into the contention but i'm like i don't know it just feels like it's sort of a kind of a weekish year when it comes to music videos but you know we say that now and then in two weeks from now there could be like three amazing new videos from like you know taylor and beyonce and katie perry or something
1: yeah i i definitely remember like that's the cool thing about the vmas to me is is just the you know the videos uh, I, maybe not i don't really pour over the other categories but you remember the video of the year for you know for the most part i i just remember like listening or i remember one of the ones i i i first remember was the year uh jamiroquai virtual insanity Was video of the year and I was just like man like I I just remember watching that in the the months leading up to it and blown away by it and he performed and shout out to Jamiroquai I guess Um, but uh, I I wish you know I I, very quickly I I think uh, something that got snubbed from video of the year uh, t-shirt by Migos I love that video oh my goodness Uh, shout out to Migos as well anyway (laughs) um, so we got yeah so there there you go those are three things we're talking about here at Billboard.com uh taylor swift hot 100 fest recap vma is coming up Keith, well yes yes you ready to get to the charts man
2: sure we can um well let's uh run the billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts number one kesha notches her second number one album on the billboard 200 with rainbow number two despacito is still number one on the billboard hot 100 for a 15th week Could it overtake the all-time record for the most weeks at number one? Mm, We'll find out. Well, maybe we won't find out this week, but anyway. Number three, Khalid's American Teen album hits the top five on the Billboard 200 for the very first time, a long six months after it was released. All right, let's break down each of these individually. First up, Kesha scores her second number one album on the Billboard 200 chart as her new effort, Rainbow, debuts atop the list. The set earned 117,000 equivalent album units in the week ending August 17th, according to Nielsen Music, and of that sum, 90,000 were in traditional album sales. By the way, her album sales, like the sales of Katy Perry and Arcade Fire and the Chainsmokers earlier this year, were aided by a uh, ticket album concert redemption oh, bundle I offer. I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. Um, so it's it's very popular, trendy thing to do. Uh, notably rainbow earns the second largest week of the year for an album by a woman second only to the arrival of katie perry's witness uh back in july um kesha first led the list back in january of 2010 by the way with her first album animal so it's been over seven years since she's been number one it's been a moment since we've had kesha uh and new music from kesha so welcome back and welcome back with full force to the top of the charts uh what do you think of the album by the way uh jason
1: you know, I really like it, and and I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago on bilber.com. Um, one one of the things that really struck me about it is is so many artists, so many pop artists, I should say, uh, can't really figure out a second act, and and they break big with with a particular sound, and and they they struggle to experiment and find different lanes, and and you know, figure out how to get past that initial sound instead of just duplicating themselves over and over but you know what's really remarkable about this album is it it goes in so many different directions and some are more successful than others but I just the fact that she has that that kind of that range was not first of all like I'm a Kesha fan I, I did not expect that whatsoever just in terms of how how much ground she covers on this album with she has rock songs she has a country duet with Dolly Parton she she has like more traditional pop songs she has piano ballads like she she does a ton of different styles on this album and and but you you still get a sense of who she is and and where she's at I I think more even more kind of remarkable and just as remarkable I should say as the album is the fact that this this is number one and you know, if you if you compare it to her past two albums, you had a, a huge first single with TikTok for Animal, and then Warrior in twenty twelve had a huge first single with Die Young. I mean, Prang's done pretty well, and but it's definitely a, a less traditional, r- less radio friendly song than those two songs. And and this, you know, uh, it, it's a it's a big launch. I, I just feel like people are rooting for Kesha, and I I I got to be honest, man, this is like a feel good story to me. This this number one debut. Well,
2: I, I think it is. And uh, yay, Kesha. I got nothing else to yeah. add. I'm just like, just go, go her. Um, okay, next up. Uh, Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankees' Despacito featuring Justin Bieber, of course, is still number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for a 15th week. It is just one week away from tying the all-time record for the most weeks at number one. Set... When Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's "One Sweet Day" racked up 16 sweet, sweet weeks atop the list in 1995
1: and 1996, uh, Jason, do you think "Despacito" is going to do it? You know, so it's two weeks away from setting the record. It's one week away from tying the record. Yeah. Here's my prediction, man, and and I'll be on this uh, lovely podcast for the next few weeks, so I, so people can call me out. I'll, I'll be accountable. My prediction is that it 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 ties the record but does not set the record that is my prediction Mm. and i i don't know if i I don't know if something you know if if taylor swift is is teasing something uh that would come out this week again by the time you hear this she could have a new single that's true (laughs) exactly and you know i I mean you're you're the you're the chart whiz do you think Yeah, i'm a little bit closer to this i suppose yeah so I, i my question to you is um and i don't know if you're you're about to get to it but but you know streaking up the chart uh, and at, at number three this week is is cardi b yeah and i know that that song doesn't have any kind of anywhere near the radio play that despacito does by the way i love how you're you've been saying despacito you have a little like little spice on it i love despacito. it yes it's over and over man um <laughs> is it annoying is that what you're saying no i love it i love okay. it I, every time you do it i'm like yeah get into it um, yeah man but, I, I, I mean, it doesn't have anywhere near that kind of radio traction right now, but, no. but it, it's just been climbing, and what, I, I don't know. What do you think? Here,
2: here, here's what's going on. Um, so I was looking, and I think Gary mentioned this in his story, Gary Trust, who is the other co-director of charts, and he also manages the Hot 100 chart. Um, I think he wrote this in his story. It looks like if if Despacito loses the same number of points – on the chart next week as it did this week and if wild thoughts which is number two uh, by dj khaled on the chart this week and if if wild thoughts gains the same number of points that it did this week wild thoughts could be number one next week wow however not all things are always equal from week to week you know wild thoughts was 69 cents so we could go I don't think Despacito was, and now Despacito is on sale for 69 cents in the iTunes store. Um, so does that necessarily necessarily mean that Wild Thoughts will continue at the same rate? No, nothing, nothing is equal from week to week. We can't just automatically assume that these points will just automatically be the same sort of acceleration or deceleration next week. With regards to Cardi B, she's still kind of a good chunk behind, so it looks okay. like she could be a contender for number one in a few weeks. Then again, Taylor
1: Swift could have a new song by the time you yeah. hear this, and she could be number one next week. Boom! So. You know what, man? More more than anything, like it, it's just an exciting story. I, I, I we've been obviously because we work at Billboard, we've been talking about this for weeks and weeks now, but you know now it's the second no only one other song has been number one for 15 weeks and ever and it's it's an exciting thing i I don't know if do you feel that do you feel that way as well yes and yes (laughs) it's just the rare yes and yes
2: um well anyone listening to the show will know that i become exasperated with songs (laughs) that are number one for like eight years on the hot 100 it's true um it's just it's like let someone else have a chance at number one kids like do we do, does it do like literally in the past year we've had it seems like we've had about three number one singles yeah it's been like the Chainsmokers, ed sheeran and despacito even though i know like a bad and bougie got in there and a bruno mars got in there for like a week still effectively it's been three songs for like the past year yeah. and i'm like good lord but anyway stay tuned next week despacito may tie the record and the week after that it could be the all-time longest number one with 17 weeks at number one who knows um last thing in terms of chart chat this week rising r&b star khalid hits the top five on the billboard 200 for the very first time as his album american teen vaults from number 10 to number four with 32,000 equivalent album units earned last week. The set debuted and initially peaked at number nine six months ago, but the album has stayed relatively consistent week after week, hanging out in the top 25 ever since. Um, The gain this week was caused partially by sale pricing and promotion in the iTunes store, um, as the album was sale priced for $5.99, but the album also continues to be a favorite on streaming services and has been very consistent um, in its popularity with streamers. Um, I, this is not on our, uh, notes, but Jason, are you a fan of Khalid? I feel like, I feel like I he's am. like one of the new artists to watch this year.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I, I actually saw him, I, I've seen him live once and it was in your, your native LA. Uh, oh. he played a show, I think at the Roxy he played like an underplay and, uh. Like
2: you didn't tell us that you were here for this. You just showed up. No,
1: there was, it was during Grammys week actually. Oh, okay. Uh, so you did, you did see me. I did. I'm yeah, like, did we, we worked together at the Grammys. <laughs> no I was there I was there and, and he he's really magnetic and uh he he definitely has I mean the the whole album is is really strong and you don't really see new artists have this kind of album traction that often I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I you know the the fact that this is in the top 10 right now and I, I don't think he he necessarily has the the kind of household name recognition yet but I I think he's He's kind of well on his way. He seems, you know, pe- people really, really like this kid, and, and he, you know, he's working with Calvin Harris, and, and the location has been a huge hit, and, right. and I, I don't know. I, I mean, future is very, very bright for Cleet. I, I can I, definitely say that.
2: I was checking out his Twitter the other day, and I saw that he did a cover of Fleetwood Mac's Dreams.
1: No way. I did not know that.
2: Just, he, just, he was just like him and some, like, acoustic guitarist backstage somewhere, and I was like, man, this is just, this is just beautiful i got to check that out. I yeah. love dreams. All right. Um, well, now we're, we are done with the news. We are done with the charts. Let's move on to our guest interview with Darren Chris. Yeah. All right. So I chatted with uh, the singer-songwriter who is a frequent guest of the Pop Shop. He's a friend of the podcast. In fact, he's a former co-host of the podcast. He was oh, a guest yeah. co-host. yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. I, 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 I and he's been in New York. He's hung out with Jason and like done Jason's makeup once, <laughs> which was a hoot.
1: I want to very quickly take thirty seconds to explain that. So he was in. Uh, you don't like normally wear makeup. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I. I first of all, I do not. But second of all, uh, so he was in Hedwig and um, and we had the idea to have him like do a makeup tutorial on video. And so he came in, and everyone was like, oh, this is a great idea, this is a great idea. He came in. He's like, hey, so, like, I don't do my own makeup. I don't really know how to do this. And I was like... This was a great idea. And I was like, all right, just do it anyway. So he he just kind of messed around and created this kind of uh, nightmarish-looking... Thing on my face, so and it was, like,
2: it was more of like Lady Gaga and applause, <laughs> and not Hedvig and the angry
1: Inch. Yeah, basically. Uh, but we—he's—he's he's the nicest guy. So anyway, I'm—I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I—that's no, uh, fine. Shout out to Darren. He's—he's—he's the—I've given a lot of shout outs in my return. Yeah, but, uh, but it's all they're right. all—they're all warranted. It's
2: all right. Um, well, I chatted with Darren on the phone recently to discuss Elsie Fest, which is uh, his music festival he started a couple years ago. Well, I mean he he co-created it with some other folks um the festival is now in its third year and it uh, celebrates the music and stars of stage and screen and will take place on october 8th in central park it's going to be in central park for the first time uh the show will be co-headlined by darren along with leah michelle of course they work together on glee and alan cumming in fact will be there Very in our cool. chat yeah i mean not just then there will be other people too uh, and you'll hear more about that in the interview um in our chat uh, Darren talks about some memorable moments from the first two years of Elsie Fest, um, what he looks for when booking artists for the show, and uh, who's on his wish list for future Elsie Fest. And you might be surprised at some of the names that he mentions. So, here's our interview with Darren Chris. I dreamed a dream
1: in time gone by, when hope was high and life worth living. I
2: dreamed that love. Welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Darren, Chris,
0: how are you, sir? I'm well, man. How many times have we done this? Is this number three
2: for for Thirteen. Thirteen times. Well, we've done we thirteen
0: times. I was like, no,
2: I no, we've done it a few times. You're a, you're a friend of the podcast, our our pal well, Darren. Thank you for thank you for having me back. Um, well, let's talk about Elsie Fest, um, your annual celebration of the stars and songs of stage and screen um, you, you guys recently announced the headliners um, which is you leah michelle and alan cumming and you've already announced some special guests including jeremy jordan and ingrid michelson um, what is it that you look for when you're booking talent for the show like what's what's the perfect fit for this show
0: well, um it's <laughs> we'll we'll take anybody, please just do our best. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. I mean, it's sort of um it, it's sort of the alchemy of a lot of different things, you know, if you get some if you get somebody like Alan coming, then you kind of go from there. I mean, there's so many every year people come up to me and go, "Oh, you know, you should have at your festival, you should have this person or that person." And as if like there's as if it never crossed my mind. Um, there's a master list of hundreds and hundreds of people that we would love to have at LC. Um, it just has to do with the timing on, you know, their part and our part, if it makes sense. I mean, there are certain people that we could have had this year that I was like, you know what? I feel like it might be better to have the next year. Maybe they don't, that doesn't really fit with this other person that we have. So it's sort of this like Tetris game of, um, of, of a lot of, a lot of different factors. I mean, at, at, a, at a very base level to answer your question that you originally asked is like what we're looking for is, um, the, the main thing is to get sort of a, a good crossover between, you know, pop culture platforms. You know, it's not just Broadway, um, you know, TV film, new media, internet, all that stuff. Um, we like people that kind of have a bit of a relationship with all of them and, um, or at least to have some, a couple names that really do, um, at least in, in sort of the headline sphere. And then uh, right. a lot of the other folks that we have, if they're more Broadway leaning or if they're more recording arts leaning, that's all good. Um, it's as long as there's sort of this central tie between this love of, of musical theater. But um, right. yeah, at the end of the day, it's just, uh, if you like musical theater, you can come and perform whatever you like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just show up, just show up and sing. We'll just just sing. show up. the top hat and the cane. Well, Go for it. Tap dance.
0: Well. I will say that the second part of that question is, you know, what are you looking for these people to do at LC? And I encourage all of them to do really whatever they want and, and mainly to to use this as an excuse to perform things they don't really get the chance to do. I I really like it when, you know, if you have, you know, we had a great big Grammy Award winning Big, you know, Great Big World coming with us, uh, and instead of me making them play one of their songs, it was like, let's do a cover of Beauty and the Beast. So we did a Tree of Beauty and the Beast. And then when you have somebody like Aaron Tevate, who's a TV and Broadway guy, who a lot of people who love him, you know, want to hear him sing stuff from Broadway, he sang songs like Tara Swift songs, and that was a huge hit. So, you know, these aren't songs that they usually get the opportunity to do. There's no venue that would say, hey, would you mind doing this song or that song? They usually want to hear their hits. So, um, yeah I, it's, yeah, I really want it to be sort of a crossbreeding of a lot of different things that uh, people kind of vaguely associate these people with, but they don't have the chance to kind of let that, that part of them shine.
2: Do you think, um, like, obviously I would imagine then that going into this year's show, which is the third show, with – you know, certainly you and Leah Michelle on the same bill together. That I was already thinking, like, oh well, I hope that Darren and Leah will sing together on stage. Is that something that you imagine could happen this year?
0: Oh, of course, no. If it doesn't happen, uh, not only do I think the audience would cry bloody murder, I'd I'd scream bloody murder. I mean, that's that's the point. You know, um, aside from like I said, uh, people doing songs they don't get an excuse to do. Uh, every year there's been collaborations of people that show up and do songs together. I mean, last year. Um, Cynthia Rivo was a guest of ours and she, you know, and Jason Robert Brown was one of our headliners. So, you know, she ended up singing a song from, um, uh, uh, last five years with Jason and, uh, and that was connected to a larger concert they did later in the year together, which was amazing. Um, she, she, she came on stage with, um, Paskin Paul, but now Tony and, and Oscar winning, uh, Paskin Paul, she sang a song from what would be the hit musical, um, Dear Evan Hansen, she sang the big song from that. So, um, you know, we have a lot of people, Ed and Rachel Wood came up and sang a song with me. We did this, we did a duet across the universe. So yeah, it's all about you know, kind of having, you know, they have those duets, the Grammys, where they pair this one person from one genre and another one uh, right. for, for these sort of like, you can only see it here moments. That's that's what we're all about. So absolutely, yeah. although Leah and, and I have sung many times before, um, I think what we'll aim for is to do a song that, that no one has ever seen us do together and And so, yeah, I'm I'm all about that, and I encourage the artists to get really excited about, like, you know, getting in contact with each other and think there's some kind of collaboration they can do with people on the lineup.
2: What's been, like, a personal highlight for you at at LC Fest in the past, like, you know, a particular memorable performance or maybe something – maybe something you just got to watch as opposed to being part of because you know this is your baby like you helped create this you you and some other folks uh, have created this this really cool event what has been a really memorable moment for you it doesn't have to be the number 1 moment but just a personal you know what? memorable moment
0: gosh i have a few um i guess from the first one um because this is a very young festival i mean we really have such a long way to go um so, every year is, is such a huge learning curve, and we're just so happy that you know it gets somewhat pulled off and and people you know no one's getting hurt at least you know not physically That's good. You know, yeah. emotion, <laughs> emotional emotional mental scars aside um we're just like thank God it kind of happened so w- there was a moment where um i I'm really proud of what has happened with some of our l c alum in the short period of time that we've that we've been around um I've been really happy to see uh, them realize their potential in the live music sphere. Um, I think so many people, like the Leslie Odom Juniors and Aaron Tudate of the world, are used to playing uh, in New York Joe's Pub and and 54 Below and uh, lounge sort of cabaret venues. And I think for both of them, it was the first time they ever played to what can only be compared to sort of a rock festival vibe. Um, because they used to playing to, you know, low lighting and velvet seats. And to feel that as a performer, I think, kind of gave them the confidence to go out. And they've done shows in, in more sort of mid-sized, uh, typically rock-associated uh, venues. Um, so seeing them go off and do their thing from that has been – I'm very proud of that. I'm proud that we were able to give them the venue uh, and the um, perspective to know that that was something they could do. And they've done well since then um i very, very remember I, I have a very distinct memory of aaron going on stage just like any other day he's used to this he's a, he's a seasoned performer and kind of watching the curvature of his performance but by the beginning he was doing like all right let's do another cabaret act and then by the end there's a great picture of it even that we have in our press kit where he's looking back um at sort of people backstage and myself just with this face of like Oh my God, this is crazy. This is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Um and that's deeply satisfying for me. Um obviously I'm hoping the fans get equally uh, uh as thrilling of an experience, but um I guess I almost take that for granted. It's I, I'm I'm just so happy that the um artists have the same thrill that the um audience does. And it's the symbiotic relationship. You know, one thing first thing you know, Aaron Tveit is suddenly feeling like a rock star and then He performs like a rock star, and then the audience treats him like a rock star, and it's this sort of vicious cycle of everybody just (laughs) feeling their best. Um, So that was a really special thing when people really rise to the occasion for this. It's not just some silly thing, hey, can you just sing another concert? It's a unique event for both the audience and the performers, and um, to to see that happen on their face is really special.
2: To wrap up, um, who – and this is – I'm sure everyone asked this, but – I will too. Hey, um, who is on your ultimate wish list for LC Fest? And before you answer that, I will say like you know in some weird sort of alternate universe, and this could certainly happen. You never know. Um, are we are we thinking like a Barbara Streisand, Lin Manuel Miranda, Audra McDonald, like triple triple bill sort of thing or? Yeah, I mean, am I I aiming too high?
0: (laughs) No, 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 no. I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, there's so many people that that I'm usually very reluctant to answer that question because I don't want to say like obvious huge. There's obvious huge. No, no, I will. No, it's it's good to talk about because uh, there's obvious huge stars that we'd be so lucky to have that, quite frankly, we can't afford. Not only monetarily, but just like cachet wise it's like they hey do you want to play this little thing it's like they got nothing to gain from that and i and i don't i don't hold that against them so there are a number of people that are sort of yeah duh folks some of the folks you just mentioned that um certainly i hope to have in the future um but some of those folks you mentioned are very aware of the festival and um have been very supportive and we would love to have them uh it's just you know we don't want to like insult them But the, but the reason why I was going to say I, I don't like uh, saying specific names is because I don't want to throw under the bus the people we do have <laughs> who we're so lucky to get and who are so wonderful uh, in their own right. But um, I do like to answer this question with people that people don't necessarily think of. I think they're always thinking about performers. But I like to tell and make very uh, uh, um, apparent that there are so many people connected to the Broadway community that we forget, like superstars, not just the Barbra Streisands of the world. And, um, you know, don't forget, like, Green Day has a music, Green Day, The Who, Sting, Um, these are all massive festival acts that, you know, had, have Broadway stints and have, have a life in Broadway. Uh, so, you know, even though that seems a far way off, I like putting people's heads in that box because, I like Elsie ultimately being a place where you can see all these different people in the only, this is the only lineup where you would see all those names, where you'd see a Barbara Streisand and a Billy Joe Armstrong. You're like, what do they have to do together? Well, they both have a love for Broadway, and they both have um, a deep connection to it. And that's so cool, because nowadays, with where the lines of genres are, are becoming, are dissolving more and more, you know, that there's a coolness to that there's like an oh my god i can't believe that i get to see these two acts in the same place because at the end of the day if you're a fan you're a fan if you like cool music um you know barbara is really cool green day is really cool and to be able to see on the same stage would be so outrageous so who knows i'll tell you one person who i'd love to have that'd i be so lucky is, is carol kane that'd be that'd be my dream one day
2: I'm still stuck on the Green Day thing. I, I do. I wasn't even thinking that way, and I'm like, no, that makes Nobody does. sense. But, like, but, but that's but that that's
0: sense. where my head's at. You know, and
2: uh, David Byrne has written musicals, and Fatboy Slim is
0: collaborated with him, and uh, there's just so many fantastic artists. That, and you know, Cheryl uh, Crow was was, was Cindy Lauper. I mean, Forever yeah. ago, Cindy Lauper. It just goes on and on and on. So, um, yeah, you know, that's that's the headspace that I want people to get into. It's not just Broadway performers that have ended up in tv and film it's people from all walks of the superstar life that's that's why i always hammer home that to me uh LC is is really a pop culture cabaret it's not just the broadway thing because being a musical theater fan is so much more than just musical theater it's about loving yeah. all the things that that inspire it and so that when you start looking at it from that way you start realizing how huge of a spectrum this, this lineup can cover and uh, yeah i hope to get some of those people in the next couple of years
2: well, we are at a really cool point in, in sort of pop culture and in Broadway and music from shows where everything is sort of commingling with one another and it's, you know, there's, there's, the, all the lines are blurred and that makes it like really great for a show like this, which is like a once a year experience and it brings together performers for a, you know, a, a one time ever. Um, collaboration, so you know it's really exciting to see this sort of thing happen, and I'm really stoked for you and the team putting this show together, and I hope everyone gets to go and hang out in Central Park and see Darren and Leah and Alan and Jordan and everyone. Um, so thank yeah, you so much you for too. talking to me, Darren. Thanks, dude. Should
0: we do the old plug of all the information? If you want to go check out more things about Elsie, um, you can go to ElsieFest.com and follow some social media because you'll definitely be announcing a lot more guest stars as the month progresses, but um, you can get tickets on Ticketfly. And, uh, yeah, we hope to see you there. Like I said, if, if anything else, it's the most beautiful time of year to be in, in New York City. And it's a holiday weekend,
2: so yeah, <laughs> coming, from, coming from far and wide. Perfect combination. It's a holiday weekend It's Central Park. The leaves might be changing or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's it. So thank you so much, Darren. You see it's
1: getting late. Oh, please don't hesitate. Put a little love in your heart. And the world will be a better place. And the world will be a better place
2: for Thank you so much, Darren, for uh, chatting with us. It's always lovely to speak to Darren. And uh, if you can, go check out LCFest in October and go to uh, lcfest.com for all the information about who's playing and how you can get tickets and so much more.
1: You know what? I also, Keith, I, I, I should have mentioned this beforehand, but... Uh, the The song every single night that he he made with his brother uh, as computer, computer games. games. Love that song. That song is incredible. That's uh, the
2: one with the really like fun video where they're all like dressed up, right? Yeah. that one. That yeah. was a great one. And uh, this week, by the maybe by the time you've heard this, they'll have a new video out oh, starring cool. one of the kids from Stranger Things.
1: Ooh, I forget
2: which one. I think I want to say like the curly-haired one. Ah, oh, that's that's a good one. I think that's a good one. He's a good one. That kid. He that kid. He's a good one anyway um well now
1: it's time jason do you know what time it is i think i know man i think i know did you want to say it all right let's do it you ready and now it's time keith for your charts out of the week
2: i don't actually do the doot doot do's anymore but i just did it for you uh this week in 1995 seal got his one and only number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 with Kiss from a Rose. The track topped the tally dated August 26, 1995, and spent just one single week at number one. The song was originally released on Seal's self-titled 1994 album, but found success after it was included on the Batman Forever soundtrack in 1995. I know this is one of Jason's favorite albums. Yes. The track became a huge radio hit. Actually, I don't really know that. I'm just guessing. Spending 10 weeks atop the radio songs chart that year. So even though it only spent one week at number one on the Hot 100, it was a huge airplay hit. Back in the mid-90s, the Hot 100 was a little bit weird. And sometimes you have a song that would only spend one week at number one because of crazy chart
1: rules. But it was actually a huge airplay play hit. This was one of those number ones. They needed you. That's that's when you came riding in.
2: Well, no, I I came riding in a couple years after that. I was still in college at this point. Um, Fun fact, in 1995, there were a few Hot 100 number one hits from movie soundtracks. In addition to Kiss from a Rose, there was also Brian Adams' uh, Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman from Don Juan DeMarco, Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise featuring Elfie from Dangerous Minds, and... Whitney Houston's Exhale, Shoop, Shoop, from Waiting to Exhale. It was just a year full of number one hits from movies. Gee whiz. Love
1: Kiss from a Rose. You know, one of, my, one of my memories of Kiss from a Rose, I don't know if you remember this, Keith, but it seemed like Seal performed Kiss from a Rose... At every single award show for like a year and a half. It just Probably. seemed like, it seemed like every single, because I think he did, he might've done it at like the Golden Globes or the, because it was a soundtrack. It, once you have one of those big hits that was also on a soundtrack, you have it at the Golden Globes and the Oscars The too. MTV Movie Awards, yeah, the Blockbuster was, Awards. I just remember never, like, it was like eight times that CL just performed that song, which was great. I love that song.
2: Well, the, so there you have it. Uh, this week in 1995, Seal topped the Hot 100 with Kiss from a Rose. All right, so we have reached the end of our fine show. This show ended up running much longer than we uh, normally do, but
1: it's a special occasion because Jason's back. I'm just loquacious, man. What can I say? I'm excited to be back on the Pop Shop. Um, do we have any parting words? Uh, I I'm, I'm happy to be back. Thank you guys for for listening and uh thank you Keith for keep keep on rocking on the Pop Shop.
2: Keep on popping in the Pop World.
1: Yeah. Um do you know Neil Young
2: won Video of the Year in 1989 at the MTV Awards?
1: Yeah, that was It's funny to look back at the this videos of the year. This notes for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird.
2: <laughs> it beat it beat I believe it
1: beat Like a Prayer by Madonna. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, you got so close. I think, did you, was this the first mention of Madonna uh, in the whole show? You got so close to Uh,
2: to making it. Yeah. Also, Madonna has one of my favorite VMA performances of all time when she did Express Yourself in 1989. She opened the show with Express Yourself. Same year that Janet, I believe, nope, Janet didn't close the show. The very next year, though, Janet opened the show with uh, Black Cat and Madonna closed the show with Vogue.
1: Oh man, that was a good year.
2: Yeah. Oh, see, back in the golden era of the <laughs> VMAs. Anyway, what song should we go out on today?
1: Uh, I was thinking of a of a of a return song for for myself. I guess. Return
2: to Innocence by Enigma. No. Oh, Return yeah. of the
1: Mac by Mark Mark Morrison. No, let's do let's do Return to Innocence. Let's <laughs> do it. I, that's I. That's a way better choice than I was going to do. So let's oh. do that. All right. Cool. Well, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.